Life Audio. Hey there, friend. Thanks for listening to the Compare to Who show. I'm Heather Creekmore. Glad you're here today. Today, I'm starting a week of answering your questions, the Ask Me Anything series. And I've got a couple of great questions to tackle. But the question that we're going to tackle today came up in my group coaching program just over the weekend. And I decided, you know what, this is a great place to start. We're going to start by tackling this important question of how do I steward my body well without being influenced by all these messages around me from diet culture and just culture at large as to what stewardship looks like. So today we're going to take a look at lessons we can learn from the concept of stewardship and really stewarding our money is the concept that we see most frequently in the Bible, but we're going to take that concept and apply that to taking care of our bodies. Now, this isn't the first time I've tackled it. I talked about money several months ago and we looked at a lot of verses on money and how they applied to our body image. So I'm going to put a link to that because that might fill this conversation out even more. But today I'm going to tackle this question of how do I steward my body? Well, what does that mean really biblically. I am so glad you're here. And yeah, as I said, this question came out of my Body Image Freedom Framework group coaching group. It is so amazing to have the opportunity to work with women from all across the country, no international folks this time, but this great group of women from across the country who have come together. They're working their way through the online course. We're meeting together every week in groups, encouraging each other, tackling tough questions, sorting through places where they're stuck and really growing in our faith together. I think they're having an awesome experience. Maybe I'll be able to get one of them on here to tell you about it. But if you are looking for this kind of in-depth fellowship, opportunity to ask questions, opportunity to grow, a program that will take you step-by-step on a journey towards body image freedom, I really hope you'll check out the Body Image Freedom Framework. You can sign up and start the online class anytime. Like you can start the online class today if you want. And then you can join us in a group if you want to do the group part in January is when I'll be starting the next round of groups. Or you can choose just to do the online course and maybe grab a couple one-on-one sessions with me as you go if you need to process, or you can do it all. (laughs) You can do the online course, you can do the groups in January, and you can do some one-on-one sessions with me to process. So whatever way you prefer, this is Burger King, have it your way. (laughs) I hope you'll consider checking that out. Y'all, this is so different than any diet or program or plan that you've tried to fix your body because this is a program about your heart and there's no way it cannot work. You cannot lose. You will come out of this program changed if you do the work and feeling better about your body, about the reason God put you on this earth. All those things you struggle with are going to grow strangely dim in the light of his glorious grace, as the hymn says, but you can't lose. And I hope you'll seriously consider checking this course out. Go to improvebodyimage.com and look for information on the course. Now let's get going. (laughs) 
Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compare to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here, the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey friends, so like I said, today we're tackling this question, how do I steward my body well? What does that really mean to steward my body well? Doesn't stewarding my body well mean my body will look a certain way? Oh, yikes. This is so, so messy, my friends. And you know, stewardship is is a great biblical principle, right? There are 2,300 verses according to Google. So I don't know, maybe, maybe check that. (laughs) But according to Google, there's 2,300 verses about stewardship in the Bible. So do you think it's important to God? I do. I do think stewardship is a principle that is important to God, right? Everything that we have is a gift from him, But when it comes to stewarding our bodies, oh boy, these messages have gotten so ridiculously muddy. And let me point out that in the 2300 verses about stewardship, and this might rattle some of your cages, there is not a verse that says, be a good steward of your body. It's not thou shalt steward thine body well in the old King James, right? It's it's not there, my friend. In fact, the concepts about taking care of our body that have, you know, kind of, I would say maybe through, I'm going to guess the last hundred years of culture, like morphed into this, be a good steward of your body, are concepts that have had to have been extrapolated from how God tells us to care for other things, right? So, so just, let me just lay that out first and foremost, right? We feel this like pressure, thou must be a good steward of thine body. And, and actually God doesn't even lay that out as a specific rule for us. Does that strike you as strange? (laughs) I, I just wonder if he didn't because it just wasn't a thing right? Like this is kind of a, a new phenomenon. People having the wealth and capacity and, and I guess technology to be able to take care of their bodies in a way that was probably never even conceived of as possible centuries ago, right? So, so let's just start with that foundation. There's no verse that says thou shalt steward thy body well. Now, Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we're reminded of that in 1 Corinthians, right? And so often it's like, because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, you have to take care of your temple well, yes and amen, but just as a little context, that verse in 1 Corinthians is really about abstaining from sexual immorality. It's about not corrupting your temple with with sexual immorality, It's not about exercise or or what you eat or trying to stay a certain size. It's not about that at all. So yes, we take the principle, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then we take the principle of stewardship. 
And then we mesh these two things together. And then sometimes we throw on a verse from First Timothy into this mix. And in First Timothy, we read that physical training is of some good, but training in godliness is better, of, of more good, right? Because it's good not just for here, but it's good in the life to come. It's good for eternity, right? And even in that passage, oh boy, we have something that aligns perfectly with the passage I want to take you to today, which is in Matthew 6, because the principle we have in that passage is investing, or in that verse rather, is investing in what will last, making your biggest investment in what won't be, as Matthew 6, we're going to read here in a second, says, won't be eaten by moths, <laughs> but making your biggest investment in what will last for all of eternity, working for your crowns in heaven instead of your crowns here, investing everything you have here for the life to come, not investing everything you have here for what's going to happen later here. So, so, so fascinating. Like I said, this came up in the group coaching. And then my pastor, my church has been teaching on Matthew 5 and Matthew 6 over the last couple of months. And it just so happened yesterday, our pastor spoke on Matthew 6 and this whole concept of storing up our treasures in heaven. Before I get into that, though, let me give you a little bit of context. And I don't know that I ever clearly like connected these two things. So let me connect them for you just in case you're where I was. So Matthew 5 is the Beatitudes, right? This is the Sermon on the Mount. And the Beatitudes are kind of weird, right? The way that they're phrased. I, th I think a lot of times I thought the Beatitudes were like, you know, you're more blessed if you could kind of be like these things, you know, like blessed are those who grieve, right? That's a weird one. Like you're more blessed if you're losing someone and you're grieving over it. Like that just, you know, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Like what? Like those who, I don't know, don't have a lot of something in spirit. I, I couldn't really get my mind around what that meant. But now it makes a whole lot more sense. Like the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, right? This is, this is kind of a new filter that Jesus is laying out. Like this is how you're supposed to live. Like this is how your character should be. These are like the character shaping principles that I want you to approach life through this lens. It's a prescription for holy living, right? It's not that some people are going to be more blessed than others. It's this is how you should do it. It's prescriptive, right? And then at the end of Matthew 5, Jesus continues to get even more prescriptive, right? He talks about like how the heart is what matters. So if you're lusting, he talks about lust, right? The, this is the famous like poke your eye out or cut your hand off <laughs> passage. Or if you're hating, right, which he talks about is the same as murder. And so it's not necessarily that you are committing adultery or murder, but Jesus is really revolutionizing our concepts around this. I mean, especially to the Pharisees who really believed outward appearance is what was most important and what they did, what, what other people saw them doing was most important to their righteousness. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. I care about what's going on in your heart. In my economy, what happens in your heart is more important or as important, but definitely more important. But, but <laughs> if you've murdered someone, then that's kind of an important detail as well. <laughs> but, but in my economy, it's just the same. And so then Matthew 6 continues this. 
right? And Jesus talks, starts to talk about like how to give. Um, and then he gives us the Lord's prayer. So he tells us how to pray and then he tells us how to fast. And then he tells us how to take care of or to treat our money. And this is the passage that I don't know, I've heard taught on a bunch of times, but that's the passage we're going to look at today, right after this quick break. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So let me start off here just by reading to you Matthew 6, and we'll start in verse 19. And I'm reading from the NIV today. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay, this is such a familiar passage, right? We all know where your heart is, where your treasure is, your heart will be also, right? But I want us to just consider contextually who Jesus was talking to. In this period of history, these people did not have nearly what we have today in terms of possessions or in terms of money, right? Remember, the tax collectors from Rome were abusive, and they would demand certain amounts of money from them. They didn't really have any predictability around when they were going to be taxed. And and it was often oppressive, right? They were so glad that a king was going to come and save them from Roman oppression in part because it was financially difficult for them. They lived kind of proverbially paycheck to paycheck. They were literally, and you go back to the Lord's Prayer, they literally had to ask God to provide their daily bread because they didn't have big pantries and refrigerators filled with food to eat. They had a much greater understanding of what it means to have a daily dependence on God to supply all their needs. So to them, their money would have been about safety, security, and provision, right? It would have been all they had to protect them, protect them from starvation, (laughs) protect them from the Romans who may come and demand more money of them. And if they don't have enough money, throw them into prison, right? Their money's pretty daggum important to their ability to feel safe. 
And God is saying, not go give all your money to the church, okay? But he's saying to them, invest most in my kingdom. Do not stockpile your wealth so that you can meet your needs if some emergency comes up. The concept is not putting everything you have into this life because it's all going away, right? Either through the moths or the vermin, right? The rats are going to come in and eat it or really through other natural challenges, right? Natural disaster. I mean, uh, you know, I live in a tornado area. Tornado sweeps in and can take everything or death, right? But any investment we make here is temporary. It's not a good investment. Now, that doesn't mean we don't make investments here. We do, but they have to be seen in the light of eternity, that all investment here is going away. And so if your treasure is here, it's not going to last. And this is the same kind of lesson that Jesus is going to teach several chapters later in Matthew 25. The parable of the talents, right? Where Jesus gives each each of his servants a certain amount of talents and the first guy like just buries it in the ground and the second guy doubles his money and the third guy like, you know, makes multiple, m- makes a great dividend on the investment, right? And Jesus says to the guy who buried his talents that he was a wicked servant, right? He didn't use what God had given him and invest it in a wise way, Right. So the concept isn't that we don't do anything here. The concept isn't that we, you know, I'm just like living for heaven and I don't care about anything that happens here because that's that's not really like loving God and loving others. Well, right. But the concept is that we invest knowing that any investment here is temporary. But the only way we can do this, the only way we can have our treasure not be here and look at investments here as temporal and the most important investments we make as eternal is to change our hearts, right? And in order to change our hearts, we have to change what we're looking at. And so this ties in with the passage, part of the passage we just read, and I'm going to go back to it. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, my pastor preached on this yesterday, and I thought, It's a fantastic way that he did it. He talked about thinking about the eye as a lamp. Now, you know, back then they didn't have electricity, right? So light was of utmost importance to them. But think about your eyes as kind of the headlights on your car, right? If you're in a place that's super, super dark and on an old country road, you are so dependent on those headlights to see what's ahead of you, right? Like you can't see anything unless your headlights are shining ahead of you. And where your headlights are shining, guess what? Your car is going to follow, right? Your headlights can't like beam off to the right and your car is going to veer left. No, where your headlights are pointed is where you are going. And so here the word healthy actually in the Greek is, is translated to being generous. And the word unhealthy actually means stingy. And so what Jesus is literally saying is where you're looking, your eye is the lamp, <laughs> where your headlights are pointed if they're pointed in a generous way, in a generous direction, that's where your heart is going to go. 
But if they're pointed in a way to a destination rather that is unhealthy or stingy, that's where your heart is going to go. And the problem for us, friends, is that many of the destinations that we get focused on here on earth are what I'm going to call temporary, right? There's a Greek word. The word is telos. Telos means literally an end, a completion, a goal, an aim, or a purpose. And this concept of telos in the Christian context is telos is God's ultimate plan and purpose for humanity. In John 19.30, Jesus is dying on the cross and he says, it is finished. He says, it's telos. But friend, if our telos isn't eternal, then it's not God's telos. We are living a life focused on investing in the temporary. Where are your headlights pointed? Are your headlights pointed at God's telos? Are they pointed up towards him, knowing that's ultimately what what matters most? Or are they pointed someplace down here? And this is where I think this applies so much more than just to our money and our possessions. I think this also applies to our bodies and how we care for them. Where is your telos? Where are your headlights pointed? So as we come back to our question and think about what does it mean to be a good steward of my body, I want to ask you the same question that like Jesus is instructing from. What are you focused on? Where are your headlights pointed? Because as the scripture continues to tell us, you cannot be devoted to both God and money because you'll love one and you hate the other. If money is your telos, you cannot love God. And I'd say if beauty is your telos, you're in a similar predicament. If having a thin body is your telos, oh, hard to have your headlights pointed on that and also pointed on kingdom things. Your telos cannot be a better body, your ideal weight, your optimal health. Like any of these things that you make your telos, they are competing with your real telos, which is God's purpose for your life. And that's where, friend, this goes back to the heart, right? Because I think I would have told you through my decades of struggling with body image that I was on telos, right, for the Lord. Like I, my headlights are pointed on what he wanted for my life. But my heart would have told you a different story if you could have seen it. And you couldn't have seen it, right? <laughs> Although, you know, you could maybe see my, have seen my lack of fruit. But really the direction I was pointed was I wanted to meet my body goals. I wanted to have a better body. I wanted to meet my goal weight. I wanted to look the way I wanted to look. And then I was going to use all of that for God's glory. <laughs> then I was going to do whatever it was he asked me to do. As soon as I got all those goals attained, then I could be totally into God's telos. But it doesn't work that way. I mean, I was kind of like the person who's focused on many, trying to get richer and richer and richer, saying, as soon as I make a million, then I'm going to do whatever you want me to do, God. Yeah, I can't trust you on the way there. Like, I'm not going to be tithing or like giving you any of it because I've got it. I need every single little thing to get to a million. But I promise you, Lord, as soon as I get to a million, then it's all yours. Right. That You know, that's not reasonable. You think about Ebenezer Scrooge or someone like that. right? You, you know, that's not going to happen. The person who is greedy with their possessions isn't going to suddenly when they reach a certain number figure start giving them away. In fact, actually research shows that it gets harder and harder. There's like a tipping point. I think it's around income of like $200,000 a year 
where people that make more than that actually give away less than they did before they made $200,000 a year because it is much harder to part with the money once you've started making it. And I have to wonder if the way we care for our bodies and beauty isn't the same. I wonder if it's harder to give our bodies to the Lord to say, whatever you want, God, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. Once we've reached a certain status of caring for our bodies. And again, this status of caring for our bodies is brand new. This wasn't a thing in Bible days, right? People didn't have to make the decision whether or not they needed to go get Botox or fake lashes or (laughs) breast implants or needed to buy expensive foods so they could lose weight or like, it wasn't a thing, right? This is a new phenomenon for us, but I think it comes out of our wealth. And because it comes out of our wealth, I think we are right to question how we make these decisions in a similar way to the way like God instructs us to make decisions around money. Your body is a gift. It is a good gift of God. In fact, a guy in our small group (laughs) used this illustration last night, and I'll share it with you because I thought it was so good. His illustration was that what we have, like what we've been blessed with is our ATM, kind of like the ATM machine. We have our abilities, we have our time, and we have our money, right? And there's an expectation that we will use all three of these things steward all three of these things well. And if any one of these things is out of balance, right? And I really hate the word balance, but I'm going to say out of order is probably a better way to say it. Then we really have to question whether or not we're being good stewards, right? If I'm giving all of my time to taking care of my body and that limits me from growing in my abilities, which would be like using my spiritual gifts to actually serve God and do something, then that's probably not a proper order. And even though I might be, you know, trying to take care of my body with my time, am I stewarding my time well by doing that? I don't, I don't know. And the same with money. If I'm using all of my money towards taking care of my body, is that being a good steward of my money? Oh, no, no, that's a tough one. That's a real wrestling match in the heart over what is my treasure, right? They say, look at your how you spend your time and how you spend your money and you'll find out where your treasure is. Oh, goodness. If only 10% is going to God and 20% is going to taking care of my body and by taking care of my body, I mean <laughs> investing in the body that I believe I should have or want to have, yikes. That's a little messy, isn't it? Now, listen, my goal here today is just to challenge you to think about some of this stuff, right? There's no shame or condemnation coming from me, right? Allow the Holy Spirit to convict you, right? He is so much better at telling us exactly what he wants from us (laughs) than any influencer is, okay? So, So allow the Holy Spirit to convict you in this, but just ask yourself some questions. Like, what am I doing with my ATM, right? And, And then going back to that tell us concept, is my ATM focused on the right tell us? Is my ATM focused on God, his purposes and his kingdom? Is my ATM focused on eternal things? If all of my time and money and abilities 
are investing in temporal things here on this earth in in growing my own wealth and growing my own business in in making sure that I have a bigger, better house or getting a boat or a vacation home, right? And those things aren't bad. There's nothing evil about those things, right? God, God blesses us with, with great gifts like nice homes or nice cars. But if that is where my headlights are pointed, if that is my goal, oh friend, that's not the right goal. That's not the right tell us. That's not the right end. My treasure is in the wrong place. And so back to this concept of stewardship, it feels like in the church too often, stewardship has been made into you are a good steward of your body if your body looks a certain way, that you are a good steward of your body if your body is a certain size. Now, the truth is we should, if if that is going to be some sort of litmus test, if we're trying to prove to each other that we're good stewards of our body, we should probably be showing each other our like blood work lab results or blood pressure numbers or something. Uh, Being a good steward cannot be evidenced by having a certain size body. And this is troubling on so many levels, right? Because first, it's just not in the Bible, right? There's not a Bible verse that says you are a good steward of your body if you keep it thin. And this would be really weird contextually too, because healthier people in that day, really the healthier and the wealthier people of that day would have had fuller and larger bodies because they had more access to richer food. They'd have more access to meat. They'd be able to eat regularly and eat more regularly. And ultimately, this would have made them healthier, right? Because if they got sickness or disease where they wouldn't be able to eat, like their body would be able to last longer. So a thin body as the symbol of health or good stewardship, like really only applies to our cultural context and belief system here in the United States, really in this decade or the last several decades. It may apply other places too. I know I've got listeners all over the world. I'd love to hear from you and see what you think about this. But I know I have friends that have been missionaries in India. And my friend told me that when she gained weight and went back to India, they were so happy that she was so much healthier. (laughs) They praised her for being healthier because she had gained weight. So stewardship definitely cannot be connected to a body size in any definitive way. And we also can't say when one's body becomes a certain size, then it crosses the line. They're no longer a good steward of their body. Because the truth is we have no idea what physical challenges they're facing. Like their body get a certain size because they lost thyroid function? Are there other hormonal issues that are wreaking havoc and affecting their body size in a way that's beyond their control? We really don't get to judge that. We really don't need to, right? It's not not really between me and them. It's, It's between them and the Lord, right? It's their heart issue, just like it's my heart issue. It's just their body might look different than my body. Similarly, if we're going to hold the standard that body size is what symbolizes being a good steward, we would also have to really talk about what happens when a body gets too thin. I mean, the challenge is culturally, we've been conditioned to see models as models of health. But reality is, and you all know this, many models do not take care of their bodies properly, right? They're only able to be that thin because they're either using substances so they don't have to eat, right? A lot of models smoke (laughs) so they don't have to eat or do drugs or they're not eating enough and they're way undernourished in terms of the amount of calories and nutrients that their bodies actually need to function well. 
but I've never heard a pastor preach about the severe unhealthiness of fashion models. <laughs> and I haven't read a whole lot of stewardship articles like with fashion models as the focus group. No, culturally, we're a lot more focused on the people that are heavier than the people that are too light. And, and really, friend, again, this just fits so perfectly with what Jesus was teaching in Matthew 5 and in Matthew 6, right? It doesn't matter. The outside, what you do is not what's most important. We can't decide if someone's a good steward by looking on their outside of their body. Like the Pharisees would do their public fast and their public prayers. And someone would see them and be like, wow, that's a righteous person. And Jesus is like, nope, bull malarkey. <laughs> that's not what's going on in their heart. They're doing that for the other people to watch. Oh, friends, it always comes down to our hearts. So as we close up here today, what does it mean to be a good steward of my body? How do I disconnect that from all the diet culture messages and pressure, even Christian culture pressure? I think we have to filter everything through some of these bigger biblical concepts, right? Like, so let's just look at Jesus as an example. Jesus was most concerned about doing God's will and people. He loved God. He loved people. He loved people so much. He gave up all he had for us. And even when he walked on this earth, friends, I just don't see Jesus <laughs> being uber focused on his body or what he looked like or how physically healthy he was. I mean, let's think about it. He got up on the cross and he could have declared perfect health over himself on the cross. But instead he chose to die. Like we were saved through his choice to die, to kill his physical body, allow his physical body to be killed so that it could be raised again, right? Like that's the gospel concept, putting death to self and being renewed through the gospel. And so whenever we look at this concept of stewardship, if there's any hint of selfishness or greed to it, that's not biblical stewardship. That's cultural malarkey. <laughs> that's my word of the day, right? Biblical stewardship is always about generosity. It's always about love. It can never be selfish or motivated by greed. In order to be biblical, it has to meet those greatest two commandments, loving God well, loving others well. To be a steward is to manage something, right? And so we are to manage our bodies, but we have to manage our bodies with our headlights focused towards eternity, right? And if, if we ever find ourselves so focused on managing our bodies that we no longer have any capacity to focus on eternity, if, if we never miss our 6 a.m. spin class or our 7 a.m. jog, but our time with God is kind of, you know, well, that's optional. Like God understands, right? That's a problem in our telos. Your headlights are not pointed in the right direction. If the most important thing that consumes all your thoughts all day long is what you're going to eat, how much you're going to eat, your plan to eat, and that doesn't allow for your heart to be fixated on God and the things of God and loving your neighbor well and loving, you know, loving God well. Friend, that's, that's a stewardship problem. You're not being a good steward of your body because you're not stewarding your body towards God's end. You're stewarding your body towards your own selfish end, towards your own selfish gain. 
right? And I know that becomes really difficult when we face health issues and have added demands of, I have to do this, or, you know, the doctor says this is going to be bad, right? But there is still a way to do that in proper order. There's still a way to do that where most of my trust is in the Lord and his care for me. And I will do my part. I'll, I'll, I'll take responsibility for my body and doing what I need to do, but I know it's in God's hands. Ultimately, I can't make my heart beat. <laughs> Ultimately, I can't clear my arteries. Ultimately, I can't, you know, keep my brain from from losing its memory. Like I can do some things to help that, but ultimately I, I have no full control. And to believe that I do have full control, to believe that it's all up to me is pagan idolatry, right? It's control. It's thinking I do this and then I get this. That's not Christianity. That's not the gospel. That's not trusting God. That's not believing my body is his and it's just mine to manage while, while I'm here for 80 or 70 years, right? It's, it's not all up to me. It's all up to God. And I'm just going to do the best I can with what I have without obsessing or over-focusing on it because I know I can trust the Lord to lead me in this area. And that's why I love how Jesus goes on after he gives them this pep talk on money and explains to them their biggest investment needs to be in the kingdom, not in earthly things. And again, he's telling these people that don't have a lot, this is their security. He's telling them not to put their security in their money. Just like I'm telling you today, your body's not your security. I know you might think it'll save you from rejection, make sure everyone approves of you or loves you if you look a certain way or save you from self-rejection, right? But friend, those aren't the right goals and they really can't save you from rejection. Models get rejected too, right? It's just, it's just the lie of the body image idol that tells us that. But I love how Jesus then goes directly into Matthew six twenty five the passage that we famously know called do not worry. And this is where I'm going to end us here today. I'm going to read this passage. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry enough about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own friend. God's instruction after investment his, remember how much he loves you. The birds, they don't work hard to make sure that they can eat. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap, throw away in barns. And yet God feeds them. Why would God not feed you? Why would God not take care of you? Why would God not provide for you? 
by worrying, you don't add one single hour to your life. So what do you do? How do you steward this good gift of your body well in the same way you steward every other possession well? You seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. To be righteous is to be right with someone. Too often we chase our body goals because we want to be right with the cool crowd at school or right with these expectations our parents had on us around what our body size would be or right with ourselves, right? But God's righteousness is different. It's only found through Jesus. So we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then what happens? Then all these things will be given to you as well. What are you seeking? Where's your tell us? Are you stewarding well? Or are you serving an idol hoping to get something back? One last thought. Goodness gracious, I almost forgot this. <laughs> but I thought this was so brilliant. Our pastor used this illustration yesterday. He talked about this whole concept of the prosperity gospel, right? The prosperity gospel is you give money to this church or to this pastor, and then you get money back. And really, when you give in those scenarios, you are giving so that you will get money back, right? So you are planting like in earthly I guess, tokens, if you will, and you're getting back in earthly tokens, right? God's investment principle is so much bigger than that. God says, give me your earthly tokens and I'm going to give you something eternal in return, right? And I think the same can apply to our health, right? Give God what we have in an earthly way, not so we can expect an earthly reward back, right? I'm not going to just like do these things that are good for my health so that I can have better health. I'm going to do these things that are good for my health so that I can invest them in a kingdom way and get an eternal reward back. And that's a whole different story. Thank you for being here. Thanks for listening. If this touched you, hey, leave a review. I've only had like, I don't know, and like according to my numbers, like only like 3% of you have actually left a review of the show. So if this touched you, leave a review. That would bless me. And thank you for listening. I hope something today has helped you stop comparing and start living. The Compare Do Show is proud to be part of the Life Audio Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to lifeaudio.com. Hi friend, are you stressed, maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of too? Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science, inspired by God's word to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.